Well, Happy New Year. Well, I mean, I guess we can't really say that yet. We still have, what, 14 and a half hours left in this year. And, and then if James says that life is but a vapor, then I don't want to give away any of that vapor. <laughs> uh, so I want, to, I want to live the rest of this afternoon, you know, and whatever we have left. But, uh, you know, we talk about ending 2023. Uh, I ended it on a bang this morning. I got pulled over on my way to church this morning. So I hadn't had that happen all year long, so I figured, hey, might as well get it in, end of the year, you know, get that over with. Actually, I, I California rolled a stop sign in front of Sydney Diener, and the only Cersei cop out this morning was right there. Uh, fortunately, fortunately, he just, you know, it's always an interesting conversation, though, when they come up to you and they say, so, uh, where are you going so fast, and what's happening? I said, well, I'm a pastor, and I'm late for church. And it's always interesting when you, when you get that and you're just like, just being honest, that's where I'm going and that's what was happening this morning. And so I was like, oh, now I'm even more late. You know, what's going to go on? So he just gave me a warning, which was nice. Um, but uh, so that's the way I'm in 2023. But the, uh, yeah, I don't know about you, if you think about 2023 and you think, well, if it, was a, if it was a great year or, you know, maybe a year was hard and you're like, man, I would just like a do-over. And, you know, and obviously in life we don't get do-overs, but you just want something new, you know. Let's just, let's just get something about a clean start is just good. You know, for some of you, maybe the year has been, you know, just a, a good one. And you're like, man, there are a lot of great things happened this year, and I just kind of like this to continue. I mean, I think that would kind of be the, the mantra of a Harding football fan. Uh, you know, let's just keep this thing rolling. And, and I was actually, in, it was a Harps, and I was get, picking up some prescriptions. And uh, there was a woman in front of me, and she didn't see me, but she's just talking on and on and on to the pharmacy tech, and, and then uh, she goes, and how about those Harding bison? You know, and I just didn't see this woman as a football enthusiast, but she was just going on and on. It's so exciting. We just, you know, and it was we, you know, it was not they, it was we. We, we just steamrolled over those boys from Colorado, you know, and was just going on and on and on, and I just thought, wow, this is this is just so good, you know, this is, a, I think it's been a, a good thing for everyone, but it just was like, wow, even this woman, who I wouldn't consider necessarily someone to be watching football all the time, was just so excited about it, and I thought, that's good, it's, it's good for us, and so we would want that to continue, or, or, or maybe you just want a fresh start, you know, and you're just like, and that's the gospel, the gospel is all about fresh starts and new beginnings, isn't it? That's the gospel. It's fresh starts and, and, and new beginnings, and, and God gives that to all of us. And so I think there's something innate in us that's about that, that reflects the gospel, that it's just nice to have a, a fresh start, to go, you know what, let's, let's, let's make this something different this year as we go on. And, you know, and one thing that is common with all of these is that there's, there's kind of a reflection, a reflection on, on what has gone by you know, in, in, in what is to come and, and how we navigate our way through that. And it's this, this year, just in the last week, I've really been kind of diving into the Hebrew word for prayer, and that Hebrew word is tephillah, tephillah. Now, it means something different, obviously. A lot of times when you, when you go into the, a word, it's a, it, it's a whole lot more than what the English language just brings about. And so, like if I said, we need to pray, I think most of us would think, okay, we got to really petition and we got to ask God and we just need to get on our knees and ask him for something. And, and, and you wouldn't be wrong. I mean, that, that's a great part of prayer. But tefillah, really, it means more introspection and evaluativeness. In fact, there's a, 
it, 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 it's self-examination, there's a reflection. The very root of the word is about accounting and contemplation. So when you said to you know, a Jew back in the day, and you said, we need to tefilla, they would automatically think, we need to go into self-examination to examine in our hearts, our minds, our actions, our behaviors, all against the holiness of God. So it wasn't an automatic, let's just talk to God and give him our request, but it was a, hey, let's look inwardly and let's find out where our heart position is and how we are doing in relation to God's holiness, because that's, that's the standard, not, not compared to somebody else, but according to God. What, what, what is the standard on that? And so this morning, what I want to do with that tefillah in mind I want to take some thoughts that I got from Don Whitley, who is a spiritual advisor at, at Southern Seminary in Louisville, and, and combine it with some questions that I've had on my own. And I did these last year, and I went back there and looked at them and go, you know, I, we got to do these again. These are just so good. And so I'm going to emphasize something a little different, obviously, this year. But uh, here, here's, here's there, there are eight of them, and I'm not going to spend an equal amount on eight, one, eight of them. So I know if, I, if I'm out there and a pastor says, I got eight points, you're going, Really? You couldn't narrow it to four? You know, don't most pastors do three? You know, so don't worry. We're, we're, hopefully this will be engaging enough to where we'll get through this, we'll get out. But I think these are good. And if you are taking notes, don't worry. At the very end, I'll have a slide that has all of them. Okay, so you, you can take them if, if, if you feel like they're, they're good and something for you to be able to do as you end this year. First one is this. What's been the biggest time waster in your life this past year? So as we tefillah, as we reflect and we contemplate, what's been the biggest time waster for you? You know, I think for most of us, we think about social media, television, maybe video games, sports, hobbies, you know, whatever it would be, all of which are not necessarily bad things or good things. But, but what has really just kind of distracted you? Because you know, I like what Paul says to the church at Ephesus when he says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We're not, we don't live on a home, we don't have a home court advantage. We know that there's a war going on. We know that Satan wants to distract, seek, kill, destroy. That's happening every day. And we, and we would be naive to think that he doesn't want to distract us from the things that are really important in our life. And how easily those get taken from us. And so the question would just be, what's been something that has kind of taken your time? Because our natural default of our heart will be to move away from those things. And it happens to all of us, okay? So it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of what. What is it? Second one's this. What's the most important way, by God's grace, you will try to make this year different from the last? And so, in other words, that might be reflected on basically what what your first answer to the first question was, may really, you know, bring some answer into this one, because none of us have arrived. We are all on a growth trajectory to, to know God better and to, to walk with him. I like as Paul put it again, and this time to the church at Philippi, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself having yet to take hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal and the prize of which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, I think there's a beautiful thing there in which Paul is just saying, look, there's things that I, I, I want to look back enough to learn from them, but I don't want to dwell on them. 
I want to learn enough from them so that I can go forward and I can pursue Christ and I can, you know, and I can do new things and, and experience him in new and fresh ways. And so there's enough to be able to evaluate it. You know, we have to learn from those things. But then there's a moving forward and going, how can we, how can I move more? Looking back enough to recognize, but moving forward and with the power of the Spirit to, to empower us as we go forward. Third one is this. What's one thing you can do this year to increase your enjoyment of God? Now, isn't that interesting? Notice we didn't say, what is one thing you can do to be more obedient this year? What's one way you can be a better Christian this year? See, that's all performance. That's all duty-oriented. That's all, you know, getting line-oriented. This, the gospel, shapes it a different way. And says that God is more glor- most glorified in us when we are most in love with him. And so our question would be, what, what can you do in your life that creates more desire for and more enjoyment in God? Because guess what? If that gets enacted, then everything else will flow from it. Right? It's not putting obedience first. It's putting relationship first and love for him first. And then as a result of that, everything else will flow. And so there's things that from that, whether it's the word or prayer or, or fellowship or, you know, worship, whatever it may be, that just kind of, so for all of us, it's different. We all have those things in us that just go, wow, God, I just love you. Then we go, I love you, you know, or maybe it's getting out in nature and it's just doing things that just stir you and stir your affections for him. Whatever that is for you, do more of that. Because the more you become in love with him, the more you will find other things beginning to fade away and you find more things, those other things taking the importance that they have without having an ultimate, uh, without you know, taking an ultimate uh, toll on our soul. Here's another one that's interesting. What's an impossible prayer you can pray this year? What's something you can pray to trust God that you would think, wow, God, this is just crazy. And A.W. Tozer, who just always wrote on this, on, on things about, and pertain to God and his magnificence and how big he is, I just love this quote. He says, since he has command over the power of the universe, the Lord God omnipotent can do anything as easily as anything else. All his acts are done without effort. He expends no energy that must be replenished. His self-sufficiency makes it unnecessary for him to look outside of himself for a renewal of strength. That, to me, just kind of brings, if, if I have a kind of a narrower view of God, that just kind of brings it up and goes, okay, wow, God, you, I, I can't put you in a box. And what can I do? My, my prayers can be too small. He can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. So what is it that we can trust him for? You know, we, we've seen a, a, an uptick in people that have come to Christ this year in the church and baptisms, which has been exciting. But, man, mine would just be, what if everybody in here had an opportunity to lead somebody to Christ this year? Now, that would be incredible. And I'm like, oh, Lord, can, can that happen? But every one of us having someone God brings into our path and we're able to just, you know, tell them about the hope that's in us and, and have them come to Christ to me, that gets exciting. But that seems almost impossible, prayer. But it's when we want to pray because he, our God is so big. Fifth one, 
Who is one person you can pray for each day this year to come to Christ? That kind of piggybacks on the last one. Who is it in your world? You know, we, can, we talk about the 501, Ephesians 5.1. Let us be imitators of Christ. And so who is it that you can pray for that they will come to Christ? And for me, that list is, has grown, you know. And so I have that list, and I'm constantly thinking about what can I do? How can I interact with them? You know, I, I would pray that go love first would be more than just a mantra at the end of our service, but it truly would be our hearts as we leave here and we go out and go, okay, let's go be the church. Let's go be the church to whoever God brings across our path. Because one thing, and, and I don't know why this always surprises me, but God is always at work. He is working around the clock, around us. He never slumbers, never sleeps. He's always working, and he's, and he's bringing things into our path. Uh, this, this, this shocked me. This amazed me. I don't know why it always does, but as I told you, Susan, when she just had her surgery, by, and by the way, you know, I know I don't always get back on that. Thank you for praying. Continue to pray in the healing process. Everything went really well. We're seeing signs that this is going in the right direction. Obviously, healing is a slow but steady process, right? So, we're kind of on that, but we're on the right trajectory. So keep praying. This is, we're very hopefully optimistic and, and more optimistic than we've been in a long time. So that's a good thing. Um, but the, you got to know how Susan's wired. Susan just, she wears on her forehead, share your life with me. Okay, that's just always been her. I don't know if it's her smooth voice, you know, whatever it is. But she just, so she, she post-surgery, we have to spend the night at UMS. You know, we had a really rough first night. We're the next day just trying to keep on top of the pain and everything. And, and a cleaning lady comes in, and she's cleaning, and she does certain things. And Susan says, thank you for doing that. It just makes such a difference when you clean. You know, thank you for cleaning. And we, we recognize you, and we talked to her for a little bit. And she came out, and she came back in probably about 20 minutes later, and I was like, cleaning again? You know, and, and I was kind of like, didn't you already do that? You know, and, but she comes back in, and she's cleaning some more, and Susan says, man, thank you. It's just so good that you're doing that, and, and I know it's hard work, and, and she says, do you, are you going to get Christmas off? And, and the woman says, no. I'm like, really? You, 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 you got to clean you know, the rooms on Christmas? And, and she's like, eh, and you know, just was kind of like him and hon, and, and no, ma'am, you know, and Susan says, well, are you going to celebrate Christmas? And she says, probably not. And then Susan says, really? Well, why not? And the woman says, because last year on Christmas, I lost my 15-year-old son. And the whole thing in the room just changed. And so here I have my wife, who's got two IVs and is trying to manage the pain. And here's this woman, and this woman just begins to cry. And we begin to speak into her life and talk about, you know what? Do you have anybody? There wasn't many people. She has a couple daughters. She lives with her mom. And um, we just begin to just speak life into her and says, God sees you. He hears you. He recognizes you. And he knows what it's like to lose a son. So if anybody can know what's going on right now, he does. And so we prayed over her. And when we got done, she just latched onto Susan. So here's this picture of Susan in the bed, and she's latched onto Susan and has her head buried in Susan's chest and is, and is just weeping. And it, it had to be a, 
a minute or two. It felt like an eternity, but it was a minute or two. And she gets up, and her whole countenance has changed. And she says, this has changed everything. She says, this, this was, is this what you call a God moment? You know, and so, and, and Susan and I, and she left, and Susan and I just looked at each other, and we just said, isn't it amazing? Because we're, we're, full, we're fully into, let's get out of here mode. Let's get you home. Let's stay on top of the pain mode. And God is going, yeah, I, I'm, I'm into that, and I want to help you in that. But there's something else in the midst of this that I'm going to bring along just at this moment. Don't miss it. And I thought, wow. And it, and it kind of kicked us back into, isn't it amazing how God is always working? He's always working around us. He, he is doing things that we can't even imagine, it, it, it opportunities that we can't even imagine, and we don't want to miss it. So when we say go love, go love first, we want to go, God, would you show us as we walk throughout our normal course of our days, would you show us and interrupt us with those divine moments that you have so that we can continue to give your hope wherever it may be needed? And maybe it's not going to be as explicit as that. Maybe it's going to be more implicit. Maybe it's going to kind of be whatever way. But would you just help, help us to be hope extenders no matter what's going on in our day? And to me, if we have that kind of mindset, wow. Because he's always at work. He's always moving. Next one that... Uh, Six, it says, what is a way you can help strengthen our church in the new year? You know, I think the temptation in, in our culture is to kind of become consumers and, and rather than active participants and, and to be entertained as opposed to, to jumping in. And, and, and we are a really good church, you know, at jumping in and, and, and blessing the community and, and doing different things. And I, I applaud you on that. I think, this, I, I think we can do better but I think we're doing a great job on it. But I think as, as Paul says to the Church of Corinth, now to each one of you, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And the question is, what's the common good for who? Well, it's for the body. That each of us would just use our gifts that God has given us to be able to be part of the church, to, to really use our, our time, our treasure, and our talent, you know, that are all His, that He's given us for Him. And I hesitated on this, but I'm going to speak into this a moment because I haven't spoken into this in quite some time. And I want to speak into the treasure aspect. Just the treasure when it, when it comes to money. And it's always interesting when you talk about money at church, either, people, either it's going to raise and go, well, it makes everybody feel uncomfortable. But I think it either, it either go, oh, wow, are we really hurting? Or, oh, wow, you know, if you don't speak about it, everything, well, everything's fine. And if you don't speak about it, then people go, well, why do you speak about it? You know, and... So this is just one of those discipleship moments where I just felt like the Spirit going, hey, just dive into this. And I, I want to bring what is, I would think is kind of a new, this is a new thing for me, a, a new idea. But just listen to this. And I want to I go back to Leviticus. Now, when's the last time you heard a passage out of Leviticus at church? Right? That's the one that you usually, when you read through the Bible, you get Genesis, Exodus, skip over Leviticus, Numbers. Deuteronomy, you know, and we're kind of going through, but let's go back to Leviticus for a minute, because it is in the Bible, and I believe it is part of, there's just something in here, so listen to this. Here's, here was the instructions to the people. Now, get this. 
when the people got in the promised land, they were all given portions of the land, right? And so that portion of the land, they were supposed to cultivate and use, and that would be their means of living. So he says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your, your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Two things here. He says, don't harvest right up to the edge. Leave a portion. In your grape yards, in, in, in your vineyards, when you have grapes to drop or different things, I want you to leave that so that others can come in and they can reap that. Now, here's what's interesting. This wasn't a handout. This was a, so that they could come in and they could harvest it. But it was leaving a portion. Now, of course, they had other things that were in place, too. They had their, their, uh, the law of the first fruits, that you give up the first and not the last. There was the, there was the tithe that they had in the Old Testament, which was a, a thing to allow them to be able to know and, and give of that first fruits. And then you have this, what I would call, leave the edge giving. Leave the edge giving. Now, here's what's interesting. It doesn't say how much of the edge to leave. You just don't harvest up to the edge. So you could, you could leave a foot. You could leave two feet. You could leave a third of the crop. You could leave, but here's the deal. You would know the generosity of the person by how much they left. And I went, well, wait a minute. I, I thought all giving was supposed to be private. I mean, doesn't, doesn't Matthew... Six, tell us, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and streets. And when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you may, your giving may be in secret. He says the same about prayer. says the same about fasting. And that whole thing in Matthew 6, he kind of goes through that and, and he gives the whole list. And I thought, well, how, how does this go together? Well, contextually, what he's talking about in Matthew 6 is, look, don't be like the hypocrites and, and don't go, hey, I'm giving. Everybody see? And it was about him. It was like, I, I'm giving right now. Aren't I spiritual? Here it is. So if the offering went by, you go, oh, yeah, let me pull out my wallet. Everybody see? I'm going to pull out a check. Everybody see that? Okay, now I'm going to put it in the plate, right? Because this proves that I'm spiritual, so I'm going to do that. So he says, because look, you know, even in, our, even in our praying and even in our fasting, does that mean you can't pray in public? No. He says, just don't do it so that everybody looks at you and thinks. So really, it's an examination of the heart. So on all levels, it's like there, there, there is something here. And I think that there's a, because if you look a little further in, or go back to Matthew 5, he says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, here's what's interesting on this. Moses and the leaders gave publicly as ways to inspire others. Jesus did most of his generous works in public. He pointed to the woman who had two mites in public and said, look what she gave. He publicly praised the woman who broke the alabaster jar on his feet and said, she has given everything. In, in early Acts, the Christians brought offerings and publicly laid them before the apostles' feet. And so I was looking at this, I was going, there's a tension here. On the one hand, 
Don't do things in order to be seen by others, to draw attention to yourself. But on the other hand, there is do good works in such a way as giving glory to God and putting the generosity of Jesus on display. I look at, I look at Zacchaeus. I mean, would we, would, we, would we say, Zacchaeus, shh, 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 don't tell anybody. But no, Zacchaeus was so in love with Jesus, he says, look, if I have defrauded anybody, I'll give, I'm giving half of what I make, and if I've, you know, just, if I've swindled anybody, I want to give four times of that to them. Now, he didn't say that privately. He, he, he said it publicly, not because he wanted attention, but because he was so in love with what God has done. Now, here's what's interesting with this is I was just, there's a tension. And don't do things to be seen by people, but on the other hand, put the glory of God on display. And how that tension works, I don't know. I don't know if we always get it right. But I think this makes us check our hearts. And so my, I, I would ask this morning, as you check your heart, when you think about your giving, and I'm talking about treasure, what, what would your percentage be? Uh, uh, do you know? And if you, um, you know, if we were to put it out there publicly, would it be embarrassing? And no, we're not going to do that. Whew. Okay, we're not going to do that. But here's, here's the point. Is that, well, guess what I'm asking is, if, if we were going to harvest your field, how much of that field are, are you leaving left on the edge? Or are you, are you harvesting all the way up to the edge for yourself? And how much are you pulling back in order for the work of God to go? That's, that's something that's really in, in between you and the Lord. Now, as a church budget, we always have tried from the beginning, since I've been here, to try to keep at least 10% that's going externally. So every budget we have, 10% of it's going to go, and I, and I hope that we can continue to increase that. And my goal would be that as we eventually get debt-free and we don't have a mortgage, then we can really accelerate that you know, and have even more. But it's, it's putting it towards external. Now, the reality of that, we operate on a budget of 23000 per week. That's, that's what our budget is. And we've had some pretty lean months in September, October, November, even going back to August. We go from an August to July uh, you know, year. It's more of an academic fiscal year for us. Uh, there's been some pretty lean months where I'm like, what, what's going on? Because here was the, con- here, here was the tension. We see, we're seeing more people come into the church. We're seeing more lives change, but the giving was kind of going the other direction. And so we were just like, oh, what in the world? It got to a point where I even asked the staff. I said, hey, hold off on the budgets. Just do what's necessary to keep the ministries going. But some of the budget things that we had, let's just hold. unless it's necessary, just hold back until we can kind of get this thing figured out and what's going on. Now, we have had a, a really, really good December, um, which has really just helped us out uh, tremendously. And so... This has been one of those things where there, there's kind of been this, this tension. You know, what do we do? And so well, just to give you what the numbers I looked most recently on, on what was provided for us, August to December, if we had a budget of 23000 per week, the average giving right now is at 19.6. So you can see there's about a what, a 3,000 difference, you know, per week on, on what that is. And so... 
I would just ask that if you consider fellowship your home, this is, this is not for those who don't consider this you know, your, your, your home church, but if fellowship is your home church, and I would just ask that you would just go before the Lord and go, Lord, how, how can we give and, and, and be a contributor to this? Because it, it takes all of us. Uh, to, to, to keep the thing going and, and, and all the things that are going on, you know, inside of here. And, and I know for, for Susan and I, th- this has been a journey for us. When we were early married and we were missionaries and sometimes we would get short paychecks and different things and it was really hard. And, and we established the giving pattern that we wanted to give 10%. I don't think that's the law anymore. I think it's more than that, actually. You know, but we'd st- we said, we're going to start here as a young married couple and we're just going to do that. And and, and so we, we would do that, and there was hard months where we would try to do that, but then as it just kept growing, we, 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 we continued to go. As the income increased and became more steady, we just said, let's just keep this thing going. And, but our, the way that we've done it, and I know everybody does it a little bit differently, but we always said, we're going to give the 10% to the body, to our local body that we are in, and all the ministries that are going on there, and then we're going to give above and beyond that. And so we're going we're gonna to go further, and we're going to try to keep increasing that. And so through the years, I would think that you have every right to know. Because you go, okay, so if you're going to talk about this, are you doing this? Now, I say this, and I hesitate in saying this, because I've been so ingrained in don't let anybody know what you're doing. But this has kind of changed my trajectory. And so I want you to know that from us, it's the same thing. And this is not a he who is spiritual, because some of you give way more than we do. Some give less, whatever else. That's not the issue. But right now, we are at 10% with the church, and we do eight, another 8% to other ministries that God has blessed us with. And our goal is to get that to 20. That's not a mark of spirituality. That's just a mark of us. And we have experienced so much joy. And so here's where it works. If, if there's a new thing to give to, and someone asks a request for us or something, then we don't go, oh, okay, well, I'll take from what I'm giving over here and give to there. It's another challenge for us to go, hey, how can we excel even more? What can I give up to make this happen? And so it's a, it's a constant challenge for us to entrust in God for even more and going, because I, like you, like to hold on. I, like you, want to make sure that it's all accounted for and 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 i and you know and there's there's a certain amount of security that comes from that right but in relinquishing it and going okay god here we go here's here's a new one i'm going to trust you with this i'm not exactly sure how this is going to work but i'll trust you on this and see what happens and i'll tell you what time after time after time again he's going let me just watch and it really becomes something that is joyous. And it's never been one of those things where it's like, all right, I got to do it. Whew. At least I give him a portion and the rest of it's mine. But now I get to go, whoa, okay, this is moving me into a whole new area. Lord, how can I trust you in this to something that in all our hearts is, is easy for us to grab onto? And so as we move in to that new year, you know, there are so many things as a church that we obviously to, to run it, this place, it's just amazing. This, this facility gets used seven days a week. I mean, you know you have the old thing where you drive by a church and it's empty six days of the week and then it's full on Sunday? This thing has things going on seven days a week. 
And it's coming from Harding. It's coming from other churches having their leadership teams meet here. It's coming from ministries outside that are coming in that are using our facilities for things. It's incredible. I mean, we're constantly working on the schedule and making sure that things are going on. And so we have dreams. You know, we've had dreams for a couple years to get this play area done, an indoor play area that would be for our, bless our families, bless you know, Cersei families that could come in and bring their kids for young moms with kids. You know what that's like for foster care and orphan care where they could bring them in and, and have a good time. That's something that is a dream for ours. College, there's things that we know that we could do if we could have somebody to put more full time in on that. Josh and I have talked about a worship conference coming. The, the people that are mentoring him wanting to do a conference here of all the churches in our, in our region. Bring them here and have this all out, just incredible uh, training of of worship leaders. We've talked about an internship program where a a, a college student graduates and we we keep them for a year and train them biblically and give them ministry, you know, things to do so that they can really grow and and be prepared for if they're going out and launching them into ministry. I mean, there are so many things that were there, but it all takes something, right? It, it, It takes money to be able to do it. Uh, and so we hold off because we don't want to be bad stewards. We want to be able to be good stewards of that which we've got. And we're not going to, I would call it, not outkick our coverage. I don't want to launch us into something that we can't do. So all of that just to say, man, jump in. Jump in with your time, your talent. You know, prioritize the local body, whatever that looks like for you, uh, on, in your treasure so that we can move forward and do some of the great things that God has us to do. Two more that are really quick. What's the most important thing you could do to cultivate your family's spiritual life? I think that's a big one. What's the most important thing you could do to cultivate your family's spiritual life? I'd ask that now for Susan and I. What's the most important thing we can do to cultivate being empty nesters spiritually? Now, what can we do? And last but not least, here's the last one. What's this, what, what is a spiritual discipline you would like to make some progress in this year? I don't know why, but the one that always comes to me on that one is fasting. There, there is something about fasting that God has given us. I think that is a, is a, is a grace that, that is, is really good, but it, it's so easy. I like to eat. And it just so easily gets taken from me. So I'm like, man, that would be one I'd really like to do. So whatever it is, let's take it home. Here's the eight on the screen. What's been the biggest time waster? What's the most important way by God's grace you try to make this year different? What's one thing you can do this year to increase your enjoyment of God? What's an impossible prayer you can pray? Who's one person you can pray for to come to Christ? What's a way you can help strengthen our church in a new year? What's the most important thing you could do to cultivate your family's spiritual life? And what's the spiritual discipline you'd like to make some progress in this year? You do that, you're engaging in tefillah. Tefillah, contemplative, looking prayer, going, God, how can we do this even better? What can we do? How can you be most glorified in my life in this coming year? Let me pray. God, we just thank you that you are so faithful. Thank you that you are a good God. Help us this year to fall more deeper in love with you. May you be the treasure of our heart. May other things that come to our hearts fade away. 
May you be glorified in all we do, all we say, in everything. I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for how you've created them. I thank you for how you've wired them. I thank you for how you've blessed them. And I pray that as they walk out of here, that you would interrupt their week with someone that you want them to invest in, whatever it looks like, whatever that is, that you would use this to be the church in this community and around the world. And all God's people said, amen. God is good, isn't he? Man, I just, he can be trusted. He can be trusted with everything we have. You can't outgive him. He'll show you ways and new ways, and and we just need to continue to press in and go, God, just continue to show me yourself, and, and may I fall deeper in love with you this year. Free me from any performance that I have. Free me from any Christian ease that I have. Free me from, you know, things that abound me forever. And just help me to to experience your incredible freedom in this new year. May I fall deeper in love with you. Because ultimately, everything's going to flow from that. You know, um, the Spirit was just revealing to me this over as a side. I want to say this. I am so thankful for our Cersei PD even when they extend grace to a pastor who should have been ticketed this morning. Uh, And I needed the reminder, you can't California roll stops. Uh, So whatever the second I saved was not worth it. So good reminder. But hey, as we go from here, we have the Lord's Supper up here. It's a little different. Uh, We're with the one we're trying to use all of our cups before they expire so they're good i'm just saying that first of all okay we're not we're not giving you wine here you know fermented stuff it, it, it's good i just need to stop okay so you, you know you know what to do go love first we love because he first loved us have a great week happy new year